The Bible Study Podcast, episode 347. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues with the study of the Gospel of John with chapter 19. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We're getting into the end of the story of the Gospel of John. John has been leading up to the crucifixion and resurrection really the whole book, when he said in the beginning, in the first part in chapter 1, that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it, we're getting into some of the darkness or when it is most apparent in John's story here. And really, he spends half of his entire gospel dealing with the last week of Jesus' ministry from Palm Sunday through Easter. And so, it's not too surprising we're getting here because Jesus has been telling us we're getting here for quite a while. We've gotten to the point where Jesus has been tried, even though it's a pretty sham trial, and he's gotten to the point he was tried under Pilate, who found him innocent twice, but then still succumbed to peer pressure, still succumbed to the crowds, and orders Jesus' crucifixion. And we pick up the story in John 19, verse 16. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened it to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read the sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, divided them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. The garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, They divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. And so Jesus is finally crucified, and you've probably had someone cover for you what crucifixion is, but let's just do that briefly. Um, Basically, the Romans reserved crucifixion for someone who is a non-Roman citizen because it was deemed too cruel to do for a Roman citizen. And usually it would be out in a public place like this where Jesus is on Golgotha, again, where people are passing by because it is a deterrent. It is intended that, for instance, Barabbas would be up here and you would learn not to start an armed rebellion against Rome. That was kind of the idea behind it. So, for instance, when Spartacus led the slave revolt against Rome. They crucified one person every few feet, every 20 feet maybe, from Rome up to the next city. They crucified about a thousand slaves, and they left their bodies on the crosses until basically the crows had picked the bones clean. So they were out there dying for a week, and then even after that, their bodies served as a deterrent to crime, or at least that was the idea. And so Jesus is crucified. They nail nails into his hands or into his wrists and into his feet. The idea is that you hang 
hang from the nails on your wrists and you suffocate and so you need to push yourself up on the nail in your feet in excruciating pain to take a breath and eventually you don't have the strength to push yourself up and you suffocate. Pilate gets the last word because as they crucify Jesus in the between two thieves, and we know from the other Gospels about that story, but John doesn't deal with the conversation had with the two thieves. But Pilate gets the last word here because he writes in this sign. Remember, Pilate has already found Jesus innocent twice and has brought him out and tried to convince them that he should let him go and was forced into this. And so he gets the last word and says, Jesus, the King of the Jews, which really irritates the Jewish leaders. And that was really the idea that probably behind the sign. This is Pilate having the last word. Even though you made me crucify this man who I don't think was guilty of it, I'm going to say, this is how I feel about you Jews. And is written, as we saw in Latin, the language of the Romans, in Greek, the language of the educated in the area, including the educated Romans, and in Aramaic, the language the Jewish people would understand. And then John includes the soldiers gambling for Jesus' clothes. And because you are crucified naked, despite what you may have seen in some artist's rendition of this, this is intended to be a shameful experience. Jesus humbles himself not just to die a death, but to die a criminal's death and to die it on our behalf. And again, John has been telling us this has been coming. Jesus has been telling us that this has been coming for quite some time. This is why he is here. And then only in John's gospel, I believe, is included this story here of Jesus looks down from the cross and he sees his mother. He sees his mother's sister. And then he sees these two other Marys, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdala. Mary Magdala, a rich woman who has helped support the disciples. Mary, the wife of Clopas, who I believe is involved in Herod's household. And then he looks at his mother, and he is the oldest son. Not the only son, as you may have heard, because we hear about his other siblings, but he is the oldest son, and it is his responsibility to take care of his mother. And so he looks to this other disciple, the disciple who John never names, who we believe is John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, and says to him, basically, you take over now. I need you to do me a favor, because even though I am hanging on a cross and I am dying and I am racked with pain, I need to think of others first, and I need to look at and make sure that my mother is cared for. And church history tells us that Mary does then go with John. And in fact, if you go to Ephesus in Turkey, you can see a house called Mary's house, and John is in Ephesus as well. And it's from Ephesus that John is later exiled to Patmos. And our understanding is that Mary lived with John for the rest of her life until she died there in Ephesus. Continuing on in verse 28, later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation. The next day was to be a special Sabbath, because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one soldier pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the 
the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. As another scripture says, they will look upon the one they have pierced. And so Jesus dies here on the cross. He says it is finished. He has accomplished at this point what the Father has sent him to do. He has died for our sins. And then we get this other story. Remember that normally crucifixion can take days, but they don't want to take days because the Passover is coming. And so because the Passover is coming, they're going to break the legs of these three men so that they can't push themselves up so that they will suffocate and they will die more quickly. As brutal as that sounds, breaking their legs is actually a more humane thing to do than letting them die more slowly on the cross. But when they come to Jesus, he has died already. And so they say they pierce him. And John points out that all of this, again, is fulfilling scripture. All of this has been prophesied from the Old Testament is why he's telling us these things. And he's telling us that blood and water flowed out. Now, some commentators say that that indicates that Jesus died not of suffocation, but of a broken heart. I am not a doctor. I cannot tell you if that's true. But it is certainly, as we've said, not the nails that kept Jesus on the cross. And then finally, we finish this story with Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. If you're a fan of all the legends about the Holy Grail, you'll notice that Joseph of Arimathea figures in that. But what the Bible really says about him is that he, like Nicodemus, was a secret follower of Jesus. He was a secret follower because he had too much to lose to be known as a follower of Jesus. He was a man of position and wealth, and the Jewish leaders would kick him out of the synagogue if if they knew he was associated with this Jesus. And yet on this day, of all days, when most of the disciples have fled, both Joseph and Nicodemus, who came to Jesus in secret at night, stand up and say, no, we're with this man, this man who you just killed. In fact, we're going to carry him ourselves. We're going to touch his dead body, and therefore, we're not going to be able probably to participate in the Passover because we're going to become unclean for a while, and we're going to lay him in a tomb, and we're going to bring him a rich man's farewell in terms of spices. And with that, Jesus is in the tomb, and as far as so many people were concerned, the story of Jesus was over. But of course, our story doesn't end there, and because it doesn't end there is why we're talking about this in the first place, and we'll deal with that next week. With that, we'll end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. 
or Theology and Apologetics Podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.